Blog Talk Radio. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve, you deserve the glory and the honor.
of a faithful God. Awesome is your name. You do mighty things. <laughs> you do glory. You're a faithful God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name is Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name, you want to declare it. Your name, your name, your name is.
Glad to be here on God's Healer 7. Today is Wednesday, um, May 31st, 2023. Um, I'm here with Barbara. Barbara has the prophecy, hey, and, I'll, and I'll read the scripture. So let me know when you're ready. You ready? Um, I'm ready. This has, been, this has been an ordeal trying to get this up. I recorded it, what, three, four times now? Yes. And it's uploading, and I get have to delete it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, King James Version. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You're up. Okay, this is a humdinger and a hair razor. It got a double double one. So I got this yesterday, uh, May 30th, uh, 2023, um, about 4.30 in the morning, I think. And I also have a vision that goes with this. So here's the prophecy. (laughs) Danger hides among you, shapeshifters and reptilians. They have been written about. Man's monuments show pictures of them. They have been called myths by scholars, they represent otherworldly beings. The truth revealed this day. The truth is revealed this day for those willing to accept it. Well, demons from the past have infiltrated every aspect of human life. These beings are not human, but come to experiments on man. They need the Earth's resources and have been coming for them undetected. Those who speak of them have been shunned by family, friends, uh, let's see, government, family, friends, government. Soon, <clears throat> soon they will war with man. They need women to procreate. Earth's women, like in times past, that produced giants and hybrids, monsters. They are here now, waiting. Open your eyes now. I am giving you warning of a strong delusion coming to you. Well, can't, get, clear, can't get clearer than that. That, that. My hair is still standing up from it. I mean, this is why we haven't had so many problems with it. I have it like in four different things trying to upload it. Yeah, and I don't know how this is going to go up. Uh, you want to talk about the Day of Vengeance? Yes, um, because I normally forget and thanks other for reminding me. Yep. So, so the Lord called me on September 24th. That's a very popular day of prophecy. 2024, uh, uh, September 24th, 2022 to proclaim the day of vengeance of our Lord is at hand. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I, I suggest you uh, Google it. Uh, you can also look in Joel. I think that's actually Joel 238. You can look at that. <clears throat> now, we also uh, want to mention, um, to m- remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel. <clears throat> And to like and share the videos because they're not being uh, shared on uh, Facebook. So please, I'm begging you to please share this, share the notes, uh, send it around to whoever you can. 
Uh, Brother Dan, do you want to thank everybody for the rest of the stuff? Um, well, uh, let's do the prayer of Jabez first. Okay, because of course I forgot. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Sure. Oh, God the Father in heaven, in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, bless me indeed. Expand my territory. Keep evil and the devil away from me and my family. Let your hand be with me always, and please don't ever let me cause anyone harm or pain. In Jesus' name, I pray. I think, um, are they, are, is this prophecy talking about UFOs? Is, is that your interpretation? Um, I, I usually I don't, so. but, but I mean. No, did, I, did I mention the vision? You just said you have a vision, but you didn't go into detail okay, about it. Let, let me let me run the vision by yeah, before I, think, I forget. Yeah, that may make more sense. Okay. So at 4.30 in the morning, I think, uh, this morning, um, I got up, and I usually pray, of course, when I get up. So I asked the Lord if there's anything I needed to speak or to see. Before I even got the see out, he showed me a vision that was very disturbing. Now, I've seen these, of course, on TV shows and in documentaries and so on. What he showed me were two, I'm going to call them beings. They had those huge heads, uh, and they had those big black eyes. Right. So I was extremely disturbed, I'll say, for the whole morning after that. And I knew it went with this prophecy. Oh, absolutely. So it is UFOs, extraterrestrial beings. Yeah, humanoids and and hybrids and everything, and they're among us already. They're already here. Doesn't that make you feel happy when you're going to sleep? (laughs) Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, know, we've been hearing and talking and reading about the grand delusion, and um, and I think it's this is the the delusion. I mean, you, you don't get plainer than that. No, and then what I um I mentioned in the video, of course, that um we have several um strong delusion uh, video prophecies out there already. And what I also said was, um, before they try to cover everything up and hide everything, now they're taking making everything um, declassified, and they're actually showing in the news, the real news, uh, pictures of unidentified flying objects. They're setting us up. I, I, I can't um, disagree with any of this. It all fits. And then right. uh, when you know when you speak this, then you know it comes across that you're you're crazy. <laughs> when you're not crazy, you're just speaking the truth, and that's part of the delusion. Right. Because I always thought the um, the aliens and all the, um, the the reptilians and all that. I thought that was all nonsense until I looked into it, and then I went into like China's history. And they looked at all of their monuments and buildings, and they all have serpents all over them. I was like, hmm. Right. Reptilian, reptilian-looking things, and I was like, hmm. I don't think it is a myth. I think it's true. They, they, they made what they saw. Right. And somebody was directing um, the um, construction of these things from above. Right. Right. So let me. Um, get off for a minute on a tangent. We're going to circle back this. We have a couple of minutes. Um, and thank everybody for their support, their financial support. Um, there's, uh, there's quite a few. Um, I, I just want to say hi again to Jean um, 
Industries and um, Fred, um, um, thank you for everything you do. Um, Linda, we appreciate it. I mean, the list goes on and on. Carol, I hope you're doing okay, and I hope your husband is okay. So I know he's been struggling. So um, I'm going to let you now go, and um, if you want to talk about um, who we want to ask for prayer for before we sign up. Yes, I, I just had a few people. Sure. Um, my friend Timothy, of course, that uh, has depression. Um, uh, Patty, she was having an issue. Uh, my mom in the nursing home. Of course, Brother Dan, who's still suffering. Yes. Horribly. Yeah. And um, my son Joseph, uh, who's in jail. A lot of you guys know that. With a DUI, he has bipolar disorder, but he's actually doing really good in jail. If he wasn't in jail, I hate to say this, he probably wouldn't be here now. With all these drugs and all these new things going on. Yeah, I agree. So I know he's safe there. When I go to sleep, I have peace. I know where he is. And he said to me he gained 40 pounds, and he looks great. Wow. Thanks, God. He gained the weight I lost. Yes. All right, I think that's it then, right? We thank everybody who wanted to. We said hello. Um, We miss a lot. um, Anna, um, we want to say hello to you um, in, across the pond in England. I know there's so many people, and I just, you know, I should write a list down to, to mention their names. And yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, I and I forget where I put it. <laughs> you know, um, I yeah, I know. I, I get it. But I'm gonna, we're going to sign off now and try to get this uploaded. And like Barbara said, um, what, what, you like us on where? on here and share us on uh, Facebook. Like, yeah, like and share on YouTube because uh, right. Facebook isn't sharing it and we're uh, not getting any viewers from there because we're down low in the um, the feed. And I don't know why because I, I wasn't in Facebook jail and I didn't do anything wrong. So no, I don't they don't want to hear this. All right, no. let me go. And you're going to need to send me a title or tell me what the title is. I'm going to try to upload this, okay? Yes, okay. Okay, I'm going to sign off here. Today is Friday, June 2nd. I received this word at about 3.56 p.m. this afternoon. It's a word from the Lord, uh, specifically um, emphasizing the people of America. Um, I encourage you always to test the spirits. Always take it back to the Lord in prayer Take it back to his word, meditate on the scripture, and let him speak to you there. This is what the Lord said. America, your time has come. I have been patient. I have given many warnings telling you to turn to me and and live. Your wickedness has reached great proportions. Some of you have no idea the level of evil that is prevalent in the land, but I see it. I know. I have drawn a measuring line, and many of you are found wanting. Many of you who claim to know me know me not. You have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Many of you have become like the idols you worship, lifeless. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Your rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Shall I continue to look on while you defile my temple with your abomination? Many of you do not worship me in spirit and in truth. Your praises are empty, hollow like the gods you serve, the ones with no life and no breath in them. 
the ones that if I sent a strong wind would blow over, are you so foolish to think that a statue can protect you? I am God and there is no other. Where is there a God like me? I know not one. Those who deny me on the earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Many of you denounce me and then worship the things I commanded to appear. I formed them out of nothing, and that's what you place your faith in. What fools! I sacrificed my life to save you from the judgment to come. Today I set before you life and death. Oh, that you would choose life. Why do you weary yourselves with your endless counsel? You have become double-minded and unstable in all your ways, tossed like the waves of the sea by every doctrine your itching ears want to hear. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their allegiance is to themselves. They have decided to become their own gods. Who ever heard of such a thing? You are powerless without me. Apart from me, what can you do? Which one of you can turn back my hand when I raise it to strike? You have defied the one true living God. I am he and there is no other. Wrath shall fall upon your houses. I will blow away all your possessions with a fierce wind. I will batter your homes with wind and rain caving in the foundations. I will bring scarcity upon the land like never seen before. I will cut off your water supply. What was once a great nation under my protection will be torn apart like a lion tears apart his prey. I will devastate this nation. I will topple its economy. Many of you will be carried away as slaves. Many of you will die by the sword and by pestilence. I will bring diseases upon you, things you have not known. You will curse me in your hunger. Many of you will reject me still, but some of you will cry out in your desperation, and I will hear from heaven, and I will be found by you. I will answer your cry and deliver you from your slavery. You shall be my son, and I will be your God. But some of you have not bowed down to Baal. Some of you refuse to compromise. Some of you bear fruit worthy of repentance. Those of you who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and set apart for a time such as this. Those of you who heed my greatest command and put no other gods before me. You shall want for nothing. I will be your endless supply. Your steps will be ordered by me. I will keep you safe from danger. Many of you will relocate. I will bring you into lands you have not known where you will testify to those who do not know me that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Many souls will be saved by your confession and by my spirit working within you. I will break language barriers on your behalf. I will give you a word and you shall speak it. Many will turn to me and live. But as for you, America, the judgment, my decision is final. You shall fall with a mighty crash and never rise again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the great I am, the beginning and the end. I have spoken and it shall come to pass. 
It shall not tarry. Wait for it. Okay, so in this video, I'm going to be sharing with you all a dream that um, God gave me a couple of nights ago about the three days of darkness. And uh, in this dream, I was in this house and these two people were trying to come into my house. Um, it seemed like they were trying to do a break and enter, you know, they, they were trying to steal from my house or, you know, do something. And God spoke to me that during the three days of darkness, there will be all lawlessness. So, in this dream, they kept trying to enter into my home, and I kept locking my doors, and they were not allowed to get into it. And then God spoke to me and said that my people will be protected during the three days of darkness if they stay inside of their home. So, um, what he revealed to me was about Babylon because in this dream I kept speaking and it, it seemed as if I was um, my language was being slurred and I could not even understand what the other lady was saying to me that was outside my door and I said what do you want and she said she replied and said spacecraft and I said that made no sense <laughs> so I was assuming that she was trying to come inside of the house because she was telling me that there were, I guess, spacecrafts or aliens or something like that. But I didn't listen to her because I knew she was trying to break and enter into my home. So, yeah, God spoke to me. This is this is about Babylon being destroyed. Um, so, I'm going to go to a, a Bible verse here. So, dur during the three days of darkness, you do not want to leave your house. Um, this is before the coming of the Lord. So, uh, he gave me, like, the words to speak to y'all, but my phone died. So, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit use me. And, um, so, God said that all vengeance will be poured out onto the earth. Um, demons will roam around the earth as the devil himself roamed the earth. And, um, prepare yourselves for the coming of the Lord. Your hearts will grow faint if you do not prepare yourselves because you will witness many things that, um, you will witness things that will not come near you. So, you have me a reference to Psalm 91 that you will be protected because you are God's people. But during the three days of darkness, you need to prepare yourselves for what you're going to witness. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to just stay in your house during this time. Um, so then we got, I'm going to Isaiah 26:20, And this says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth also shall disclose her, her blood and shall no more cover her sling. And then I'm going to, um, and then I'm going to Joel. So 
uh, a lot of people ask me this question, like, when is the darkness going to happen? And it's going to be right before Jesus returns. Um, so I'm going to Joe. Joel 2, 2.31. I'll leave the scripture, scripture references below. And this says, The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. So, yeah, um, we need to prepare ourselves, um, even the elect. Um, this is mainly the reason that God has been allowing us to go through a lot of warfare, is because... We're going to need strength during these times. So I hope that this informed you. Um, God bless. I'm here to tell you that the horrendous problem that's going to come in World War III, and this COVID thing is going to keep you occupied and dodging things until it comes, and it's going to blindside you. You're not going to see it coming. But it's going to be horrendous going to start with a nuclear preemptive strike against U.S. military bases and missile forces because of PDD-60, Presidential Decision Directive 60, which was signed in 1997 by President Bill Clinton, completely revamped our nuclear posture from the Reagan doctrine, which was to launch on warning and prepare to win a nuclear war, to absorbing a nuclear first strike, and then retaliate afterwards. General Butch Neal of the Marine Corps said, retaliate with what? If you absorb a nuclear first strike, all of our military bases are gone. All our missile bases are gone. And Bill Clinton in that same year, 1997, made a promise to the Russians to keep 50% of our ballistic missile submarines in port at any one time. There's two ports, Kings Bay, Georgia, and Bangor, Washington, in the Seattle area so that they could be more easily targeted as a gesture of goodwill that we aren't a threat to Russia. Just suicidal. So this is a very serious situation, but it's gonna, this war is going to be preceded by an EMP strike. Only Russia and China have the ability to throw an EMP strike. And after the attack, Babylon is left silent and in darkness. Sit thou silent and get thee into darkness. For thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Greetings in the most perfect, exalted, majestic name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome to another End Times for the Believers Bible Prophecy Update. I am reading from Isaiah chapter 13, beginning in the first verse. The burden of Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. He saw it. He saw the future. Verse 5, They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Verse 6, 
Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. We are witnessing the unraveling of our United States of America, our Constitution, one amendment at a time, one statute at a time, being torn asunder before our very own eyes. And the question remains, what will be the climactic event that will take the USA off of the stage of these last times, at least as a prominent player? What will be the event that makes that happen? And the second question we are going to explore hypothetically is this. Why is it that the United States of America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy? Or is it? First, will you join with me for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, it is with gratefulness of heart that I am able to lift up to you today's message, knowing that the people that will listen to it are loved of you in such a manner that my heart is assured you will use me regardless of my own self. You will use me for the benefit of all those who will be listening to today's message because you love each and every one. And my earnest prayer this day, Lord, is that you will minister grace and mercy. May it be multiplied in each of their hearts and minds. May the people hear a word from you, Lord, from your throne, touching their hearts. And Lord, together we will give you thanks and praise for your unspeakable gift to us, the word which was made flesh and dwelt among us. May Jesus be magnified even now in his mighty name. I pray, we pray, amen. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. And so the first question is this. What will be the climactic event that will take this great nation of ours off of the stage of world prominence and dominance? I do believe it is implied in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 7, where our Lord gives us the Olivet Discourse, addressing the very subject matter of when shall the Lord return for the second time. For there we read in the seventh verse, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I believe it will be the result of war. I know and recognize that there are those who believe our nation will no longer play a dominant role on the world stage because we are imploding internally like that of Rome. But I am of the persuasion 
that an event that will be substantial must first unfold before this country is no longer a player in the geopolitical realm. Why is it that America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy? Once again, it may very well be because of war. Or is it that maybe America, the United States of America, is mentioned, but with a different name, and that it is hiding in plain sight? Could it be Mystery Babylon? There are so many striking similarities between the Babylon that is described in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, as well as the prophet Isaiah and the apostle John. So many striking similarities between the two. Why is it that it is referred to as mystery Babylon? Could it be that the prophet who saw did not recognize the nation as we see it today, the North American continent. It was foreign to him. The fact of, of a prophet or the apostle John seeing in the future and trying to describe events that he was seeing in the future in his own language is already established. The president is there. Could it be that the prophet Jeremiah and Isaiah, in seeing the future, did not recognize this continent and so referred to what they saw as a mystery Babylon. The other thought regarding the mystery Babylon is that of a literal Iraq. But there are certain descriptive prophetic terms that are given regarding this nation, Babylon, in the last days that are not consistent with the Babylon that was once located in Iraq and part of Iran. For example, Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 13 tells us that this Babylon is surrounded by many waters, not just waters, but many waters. The reality is that Iraq is basically a desert land. It has a short strip of coastland and is certainly not described as a nation surrounded by many waters. Jeremiah 51 and verse 13 states there, O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. And so we see that this nation described by the prophet as he sees it from his time looking into the future, he sees a nation that is surrounded by many waters, and it is abundant in treasures, 
and it is engaged in substantial world commerce. Take a look at this. We read that Babylon is held as a queen among the nations, the lady among kingdoms. Babylon reigneth, the scripture tells us, over the kings of the earth. It is the praise of the entire earth, the queen city. And might I say that is striking in itself. Where we have we heard before about a queen city? How about New York City? It is an astonishment, the Bible tells us, among the nations. The prophet says that if something were to happen to Babylon, the worldwide trade would virtually stop. The merchants of the earth would weep and mourn over her because no one can buy their merchandise anymore. It is clearly a wealthy nation, and the United States is undoubtedly the wealthiest nation per capita for our size. Second to none, Revelation 18 and verse 17 Tells, refers to it as having such great wealth. We also read from the prophet's words, Jeremiah 50 and verse 23, that this nation that is represented as Mystery Babylon in the last days is a military powerhouse, the number one military of the world. And we are that number one military. We are the only superpower, even though there have been such terrible decisions and choices made which reflect poorly upon our nation in terms of its strategic abilities and military might. The reality is we still remain the world's only superpower. Jeremiah refers to the mystery Babylon as the hammer of the whole earth. In verse 23 of Jeremiah chapter 50, we read, How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? Jeremiah also sees this mystery Babylon as being a daughter and implies that the mother of this nation is England itself. Jeremiah 50 and verse 12, we read, Listen to your mother. Your mother will be greatly ashamed. She who gave you birth will be humiliated. Behold, she will be the, and in the New King James Version, the word there is least or youngest, of the nations, Jeremiah 50 and verse 12. And so we see that this nation, this, this mystery Babylon is the product of another. And that, again, does not imply literal Iraq. In Revelation chapter 17, we read how that this nation sits on top of water. Reading in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 17, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, 
I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. She has a golden cup in her hand and a crown with seven rays upon her head. Do we not find that interesting? that the very statute of liberty has in its crown seven rays, seven points, which speak of authority. And Revelation speaks of that very same thing, having seven crowns. The United Nations, and it states there, it reigns over all the kings of the earth. And we know that the United Nations, resting and sitting in New York City, is literally reigning over all the nations of the world, situated once again in the Queen City. Why does the prophet refer to Babylon as the horror of Babylon? Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon, there it is, many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. That is, once again, a clue that could very well point to this nation's primary symbol, which is the Statute of Liberty. The sculptor that originated the Statute of Liberty, his name is Auguste Bertoldi. And he, as a mason, in a great Masonic lodge in Paris, before the beginning of the Statute of Liberty, was seeking a commission so that he could make a great statue of the goddess Ishtar and that that goddess which was to construct was a statue that was also a goddess that was adopted by early Rome but they changed the name of Ishtar to Libertas and in Latin that means liberty so, in essence, that statue of Ishtar, which was then named by Rome as Libertas, was actually a statue of liberty. And is it unreasonable to think that that represents the nation which is responsible for at least 65% of all the pornography that is communicated around the world, not to mention the fact that we as a nation lead the way in sexual liberties and freedoms and, and perversions. These things cannot be denied. And thus we see the statute of Libertas, liberty with seven rays on that water our symbol, and that symbol representing a nation that has been guilty of spiritual fornication. 
the statute of Istar was the patron mother of the temple priestess and priest. She was the mother of what we would refer to as prostitution. And again, Ishtar was seen by early Christians as the prostitute, the horror of Babylon. And indeed, it is a fitting symbolism of a nation that has the credentials that we sadly as a nation have. There are many, many comparisons, similarities that we can draw Time does not permit regarding the similarity of the mystery Babylon that is given to us prophetically with the characteristics of our nation. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, we shared a couple of our messages on the question, is America Babylon? But today I want to go on beyond the fact of whether or not America, USA, is Mystery Babylon. And I want us to look for a few minutes and what transpires in the last days regarding this nation. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 3, we read, For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. So we see that this nation will be attacked out of the north. A nation has come against her out of the north, Jeremiah is saying in chapter 50 and verse 3. In Jeremiah 51 and verse 48, once again, for the destroyers will come to her from the north. Isaiah 13 and verse 5 speaks about the destruction of Babylon. Verse 5, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. I want you to pay attention to the description of the weapon. It is the weapon of God's indignation. It is a weapon that is capable of destroying the entire land. And in verse 25 of Jeremiah 50, the Lord hath opened his armory and hath brought forth the weapons of his indignation, weapons of his indignation. It is a special weapon that the prophet is speaking about, or should I say prophets. It is a weapon capable of destroying an entire nation or continent. In one hour, what can we imagine or envision capable of doing that? It is an EMP, an electric magnetic pulse, something that if exploded above our atmosphere could literally put out our grid and cause this nation to go back into medieval times. It is a weapon that could easily be delivered through a new developed system that Russia has created. It is a supersonic missile. And take a look at this. 
Russia has introduced a new missile system that could be impossible to defend against. The first regiment of avant-garde hypersonic missiles are now in service. And according to President Vladimir Putin, they can travel more than 20 times the speed of sound. Dominic Valaitis is covering this story for us in London. Dominic, what more can you tell us about these new weapons? They are very fast. We're told, as you say, they can travel at 20 times the speed of sound. They can be mounted on top of an ICBM and can carry nuclear weapons of up to two megatons. But that's just part of the story, Jennifer, as well as being able to travel uh, at incredible speeds. The avant-garde so-called glide system that means it's also highly maneuverable. It can make sharp turns and take unpredictable courses on the way to its target, uh, making it more difficult to intercept. And this is perhaps its big selling point and the quality that makes it really quite worrying. In effect, um, it is a new kind of intercontinental missile system that at the very least is difficult to defend against. I'm here to tell you that the horrendous problem that's going to come in World War III and this COVID thing is going to keep you occupied and dodging things until it comes and it's going to blindside you. You're not going to see it coming. But it's going to be horrendous. It's going to start with a nuclear preemptive strike against U.S. military bases and missile forces because of PDD-60. Presidential Decision Directive 60 which was signed in 1997 by President Bill Clinton, completely revamped our nuclear posture from the Reagan doctrine, which was to launch on warning and prepare to win a nuclear war, to absorbing a nuclear first strike, and then retaliate afterwards. And General Butch Neal of the Marine Corps said, retaliate with what? If you absorb a nuclear first strike, all of our military bases are gone, all our missile bases are gone, and Bill Clinton in that same year, 1997, made a promise to the Russians to keep 50% of our ballistic missile submarines in port at any one time. There's two ports, Kings Bay, Georgia, and Bangor, Washington, in the Seattle area. So that they could be more easily targeted as a gesture of goodwill that we aren't a threat to Russia. Just suicidal. Now, PDD-60 is still in force. But it's interesting, they're all talking about Biden doing a new nuclear power deal and revising things, and that's why I wanted to know if they knew that PDD-60. But here's what I think happened. No, they have purposely let everyone forget about PDD-60. They have not briefed our military generals at all about uh, uh, PDD-60. So this is a very serious situation, but it's gonna, this war is going to be preceded by an EMP strike. Only Russia and China have the ability to throw an EMP strike because it takes at least two or three super EMP weapons, and it takes about eight or nine regular EMP weapons. These are exploded at high altitudes so that it gives out a radiation, uh, electromagnetic radiation that hits the power lines, and it sends a huge thousand-volt surge down the power lines, hits your panel, and then fries everything connected to the, to the Internet, fries it all. Without any electricity, there'll be massive pillaging and refugee flows in, out of every major city because the food will be gone within three days. This weapon will hit our nation and will literally destroy all of our defenses. In Jeremiah 50 and verse 9, we hear, we see again the delivery system 
For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. The arrows. In verse 14 of Jeremiah chapter 50, Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows. We could easily insert missiles. And again in Jeremiah 51 and verse 11, Make bright the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord hath raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, for his device is against Babylon to destroy it. Because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. And so we see that the hammer of the Lord, the most powerful nation in all of world history, is cut down. And Jeremiah chapter 51, we read there, Suddenly Babylon has fallen and has been broken. That's Jeremiah 51 and verse 8. Revelation chapter 18, verses 10 through 12, we read there, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment. I have no difficulty in envisioning New York City as a major port of commerce, being that very place that is being witnessed by all these merchants, these cargo ships, which see the devastation of the weapon that was employed, the weapon of God's indignation. Now, I am going to bring your attention to the 47th chapter of Isaiah, verse 5, because it is this passage that blows my mind and that has caused me to really look at this end result, end days results or destruction of mystery Babylon in a little different of a, should I say, more confirmed light. In verse 5, we see chapter 47, Isaiah, sit thou silent and get thee into Darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. What is the prophet saying there? Sit thou silent and get thee into darkness. What is the impact of an EMP delivered through a supersonic missile? It comes unexpectedly, suddenly, and it will put this nation in total, complete darkness. The sounds, the music, everything that is operated by power is gone. The lights go off, and everything that is essential for our survival is wiped out. And so, what do we see there again? The prophet is speaking in behalf of the Lord, Sit thou silent and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For thou shalt no more be called 
the lady of kingdoms. Look at this. This is what the prophets say about the great enemy of Babylon. For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Remember which country the prophet said was from the north? The same country that Ezekiel said will lead a great alliance of nations to the borders of Israel? If war happens, the United States must be the first target. That is why the prophets foretell that at the start of this war, Russia will unexpectedly use a very special weapon, the weapon of indignation, against the whole territory of the U.S., a weapon like which the world has never seen. The Holy Book shows how Babylon will feel the fury of this terrible weapon. This weapon will hit our entire country and all our defenses will be in vain. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the height of her strength, yet the spoilers come unto her. This weapon paralyzes our military and leaves it almost defenseless. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? The mighty men of Babylon have forborne to fight. Their might hath failed. The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, and her high gates shall be burned with fire. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. Because the spoiler is come upon her, even upon Babylon, and her mighty men are taken, every one of their bows is broken. And after the attack, Babylon is left silent and in darkness. Sit thou silent, and get thee into darkness, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. Wow. So powerful. Jeremiah speaks on target in the 50th chapter, verse 23. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? And so, and after the attack, Babylon is in silence and in darkness. This is not an event that has ever taken place in world history. Never has a city or a continent been described as suffering such havoc in one hour in this manner. The EMP blast has been studied, and as a matter of fact, there has been commissions given by the United States to assess the threats of EMP or electromagnetic pulse attacks. And uh, I'm placing in the description box a link where you can research on your own the devastation that will result once the power grid goes down. And so, in closing, it is scary what awaits those who have not prepared their hearts before the Lord and it is nothing compared to scariness of hell and the fire of hell that is eternal. 
a place where Jesus spoke more about than heaven itself. And so we ask the question, why do we talk about these things when they are so disturbing? It's because the Lord loves us too much. He wants us to do everything conceivably possible within our own power to be removed from these cataclysmic events. And there is nothing that is more important to be removed from than hell itself. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 46. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved and the cry is heard among the nations. I'm referring to that passage because I believe it reflects a legitimate reason why I'm of the persuasion we will not be here during this event. And that is because Jesus said the rapture would take place like in the days of Noah. They were eating, drinking, given in marriage until Noah entered into the ark and then the flood came. In other words, until Noah entered into the ark, business was as usual. There were things going on in the world that were typical and again, uh, in, as it was in the days of Lot, Lot was first taken out. Business as usual. And Jeremiah 50 and verse 46, which I just quote, tells us that at the taking of Babylon, the whole earth is moved. And the cry is heard among the nations. The shout, the scream, the impact of what is going to transpire in this exchange of God's special weapon, this weapon of his indignation, and what it will cause in the world, it is not going to be business as usual. And so I just ask the Lord, Lord, what can I share as the Lord knows my heart's desire, and I believe it has been formed by him, is that each week as we present some very difficult, challenging scriptural references of end-time events, that there would be a compensating grace. You know, the Bible tells us God is always there to compensate, to give us grace in times of trouble. In fact, he says that, that the Lord... When the enemy comes in like a flood, he raises a standard against him. Another passage that the Lord is very present, as a present help in the time of our trouble. And so my prayer was, Lord, what can I share that will minister grace and wisdom and understanding to the people that have taken the time to listen to today's end times for the believers Bible prophecy update? And I was reminded of what the Lord spoke to my heart earlier this week. It moved me deeply. And I had forgotten until today in preparing for this message. In Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. So I was reading the book of Acts this week and just uh, receiving from the Lord grace as I observed the Apostle Paul and his his missionary endeavors. 
And we see in Acts chapter 20, where Paul is now ready to go to Rome. And he calls the elders of the Ephesian elders to bid them farewell and to give them final instructions. And I'm going to read starting in the 17th verse. And I pray that the word of the Lord will just touch your heart as it touched mine. 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, that is Paul, and called the elders of the church, verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Verse 20, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save this, verse 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, Paul was communicating to them what the Lord made real to his heart, that he had nothing waiting for him but imprisonments and afflictions. And so the Lord wanted him to know in verse 24, and here is what moved my heart. And I pray you will receive this as it is so essential in these closing days, just prior to the rapture. He went on to say, verse 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. None of these things move me, he said. Realizing that there awaits nothing but suffering ahead for me, it doesn't move me. And there is a reason why it doesn't move him. Because he does not count his life as dear to him. He, represent, he recognized that his life was hid in Christ. He was living the life of Christ by faith and recognizing that his old man, the fleshly carnal nature, was no longer an issue. And he said that the reason why these things did not move him is because he wanted to finish his course with joy. He wanted to finish his course with joy. My prayer for each of you is that God will give you the grace and me to enable us to be able to not hold our lives as dear to us, but rather that we might hold to the position that soon our life will be manifest. That as John the Apostle said in 1 John, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, that when we see him, we will be like him. 
We are about to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So it really doesn't matter what we will be going through in these last days. Now, does that mean that we are to look forward to what Paul said with sufferings on every corner? I don't believe so. Paul had a special calling, a special ministry, and in one place he said that he was part of filling up the sufferings of Christ by faith because Christ was suffering in him, through him. But I do believe in the principle that is implied there, and that is that we do not need to hold our, dear, our lives dear to us, but rather we can deny ourselves by faith and recognize that we have a course to finish and we can finish it with joy. I've shared some heavy duty things today and if indeed Babylon is representative of the United States of America, well, it is not something to take lightly. And for those of you who are born again, you are safe. You are safe. But for those of you who are not, as it has been our privileged custom at the end of each message, we want to extend the lifeline. want to give you an opportunity, whosoever you are, if you are not ready, to get ready, to receive the Lord and his unspeakable gift, which is so full of glory, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, you must be born again. You must receive the Holy Spirit of God into your heart and become a new man or a new woman, a new creature in Christ. And there is but only one way to do that, and that is by confessing the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, believing that his atonement was sufficient in order to pay the penalty of your sins. And so if you are wanting to get ready, and we don't know how much time we have left, time is short, so very short. If you want to get ready right now, you may be in your home, you may be driving. Wherever you are, take a moment and pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer, but if you mean it, it is the most profound prayer that you will ever pray, not only in this life, but even based upon eternity. There are many signs that God has given to us that are happening and unfolding before our eyes today. But transhumanism is a sign that brings us to the crossroads of time. So what do you think about going from human 1.0 to human 2.0? Has something to do with transhumanism, taking humans as we know ourselves and melding with artificial intelligence? We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. We've got something that can alter our genome. Making humanity 2.0 that is suddenly abandoning its ape-like behavior for an adult enlightened behavior that where the genes are not enhanced by mutation, 
that they enhanced virtually by what we think we should be doing on the planet. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough. Think about it. You are self-replicating machinery, now for the first time able to change its fate. Like a roboter that can self-code, singularity. If they're altering the genome, this is a synthetic piece of DNA or RNA, okay? And if it becomes taken up into the genome of a human, it's synthetic, it's not from nature. And if you look at the Supreme Court justice ruling on synthetic DNA or genes, it can be patented, and patents have owners. So what does that mean for us? What if this gets into our genome? Does that mean the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or the Department of Defense, all of these people who are involved in the patents, or are they somehow going to own part of our genome? You are the first generation that can change the fate of humankind by changing what humankind means. Surveillance under the skin is maybe the most important development of the 21st century is this ability to hack human beings. Is this ability to hack human beings. Here today's Bible prophecy update. I cannot help but to reflect upon the fact that it may very well be our last Bible prophecy update. And that not out of any giving up or quitting on our part, but the reality is in just two short days from now, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, will be celebrated. And if ever there was a time when the alert for the rapture was so high and is so high, it's this coming Feast of Trumpets. And so I hope that you are excited about this time. And truthfully, if this is our last Bible prophecy update, because of the interruption of the harpazo, then amen. Let it rip, Lord Jesus. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, the wise man declared. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. In chapter 3, verse 17, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And in the 8th chapter, verse 6, because to every purpose there is time and judgment. But most fitting for today's message is the 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. We know, according to Scripture, that time was not always in existence. As a matter of fact, God created time, and we see its initial entrance into the economy of God in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. He created time in order to accommodate a period by which he would build a kingdom 
for his dear son and for those who would become bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. He needed a epoch, a block of time, so that redeeming love might become incarnate, that he might complete that affectionate old redemption story. Daniel prophesied that there would also come a time when knowledge would increase. And we understand today, statistically speaking, that every 13 months approximately, knowledge doubles. And reading from an article from the industry tap written by David Schilling, the host went on to say that not only is human knowledge on average doubling every 13 months, we are quickly on our way with the help of the internet to the doubling of knowledge every 12 hours. Like no other period of time in history, this time of human history and of the church age is a time where knowledge noticeably increases. It would be an exponential growth of knowledge that would mark the end of time. And in a moment before we pray, I'm reading from Daniel chapter 12, which underscores there is much, I would say, prophetic material in the first three verses that I've chosen to quote them simply because they establish a prophetic timeline. But the fourth verse is the focus of today's message. But reading beginning in verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. The end of this period of time, the last days, or the end of days. Would you join with me for prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, it is gladly so that I come to you along with your children, not in our own name but in the righteous name of your Son. We recognize that in him we stand before you complete and whole and forgiven and in fact reflect the very righteousness of Jesus in our very beings. This is what you have done for us. Indeed, redeeming love has embraced us to the point that we are now referred to as the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you for that. And in his righteousness, 
we stand with confidence before you that you not only hear our prayer today, but that you promise to answer it. For we are asking of you for bread, for our daily sustenance. And Lord, you know that there are those who will be listening to today's program that are in great dire need and need a word of encouragement from you. So Lord, be who you are, a perfect loving father who cares for us with an everlasting love. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the very balm of Gilead, flow this day through this vessel of clay to the hearts and minds of your people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And so we see from the prophet Daniel that there will be a substantial period of time which the Bible tells us will underscore the the fruit of increased knowledge. And I believe that just this last week was one of those galvanizing moments when the fruit of increased knowledge was acknowledged or manifest by virtue of proclamation by none other than the president of this country, Joseph Biden, who made an announcement on September 12th, one that we made reference to last week, and so we'll not regurgitate last week's message, only to make a couple of points as they reflect upon the significance of time in which we live. And if you will recall, it was focused upon the very subject of transhumanism. Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, helps us decipher what's going on in this executive order, again, which was made on the 12th last week. Kingston stated in a Twitter post, I quote, Let me read between the lines for America. Biden's September 12, 2022 executive order declares that Americans must surrender all human rights that stand in the way of transhumanism. Clinical trial safety standards and informed consent will be eradicated as they stand in the way of universally unleashing gene editing technologies needed to merge humans with AI or artificial intelligence. So what do you think about going from human 1.0 to human 2.0? Has something to do with transhumanism, taking humans as we know ourselves and melding with artificial intelligence? We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. We've got something that can alter our genome. Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough. You know, a lot of this AI work uh, and the ultimate dream of software goes back all the way to 1950 uh, when Alan Turing uh, created the idea that uh, we should be able to match 
human capabilities in, in many ways. If they're altering the genome, this is a synthetic piece of DNA or RNA, okay? And if it becomes taken up into the genome of a human, it's synthetic. It's not from nature. And if you look at the Supreme Court justice ruling on synthetic DNA or genes, it can be patented. And patents have owners. So what does that mean for us? What if this gets into our genome? Does that mean the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or the Department of Defense, all of these people who are involved in the patents, or are they somehow going to own part of our genome? Surveillance under the skin is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings. Luciferase enzyme. When you get the luciferase enzyme, if you have a, an iPhone or a special app on the iPhone, you can scan over that area and it will give a digital code, a digital imprint. It also gives you an ID, a number, a barcode, a branding, whatever you want to call it, a tattoo. It's all the same thing. You now become like a product. This sign I recognize is most significant. However, let me add that this is not the ultimate sign. This is one of many, many signs. But this particular sign, I believe, is embraced in Daniel's prophecy that in the last days, knowledge shall increase. And thus, the sign of transhumanism underscores what I believe to be a reasonable assertion that there is a window of divine opportunity, that God, in placing this time constraint, bringing it into existence, puts himself in a position where certain divine prerogatives must be exercised. There are, again, many signs that God has given to us that are happening and unfolding before our eyes today. And we'll be touching on some of those signs. But transhumanism is a sign that brings us to the crossroads of time. I believe this statement and this here executive order is stamped with time itself. That it brings us to this point of time where time is winding down and I believe that the rapture of the church is so imminent and it is almost imperative that it take place soon and very soon and I say that for several reasons one of which is noted here in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And so we see that in the last days, as it was in the times of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man, that one of the characteristics of that time is that there was gene manipulation, that man's DNA was being corrupted or manipulated by fallen angels and fallen angels technology. Now in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 16, we read the following, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, 
free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. So we know that there is coming a time and it is approaching us very, very quickly where man will of necessity exercise his God-given will. It will be a volitional decision that will make him in taking the mark of the beast uneligible for redemption. In Revelation 13 and verse 17, we read that, And no man might buy or sell save he that had taken the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so when that takes place and those individuals choose to take the mark of the beast, and make no doubt about it, there will be coercion. But ultimately, that person will have to exercise their free will and will take the mark of the beast once again, every reason to believe that it will be something that manipulates man's DNA into no longer is he reflected, reflective of a man made in the image and likeness of God. He will be marred or corrupted forever. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, as man, came to redeem man. He did not come to this world to redeem part man and part something else. And thus the enemy's strategy has been to so defile the human genome that man is no longer eligible for redemption. But there is coming a period of time where because of today's technology having to do with transhumanism, that there will come a point, and I do believe the technology exists today, where man will not have to exercise his free will, but there will be this type of, uh, of gene manipulation that will be imposed upon him without his own choice. Through various different transmission technologies, soon man will be forced to through the air he breathes. And we see the technology today of chemtrails. And for those of you that have gone down that rabbit trail, and I have done so for 20 years now, there are some dark, dark secrets that lurk down there that has to do ultimately with fallen angels, information, and technology. So that man is forced to breathe that which comes out of those sprayers, if you will, and the water he drinks, and even the food he takes, that there will be ingesting in man that mRNA, that technology, that messaging technology that, that manipulates man's genes. Could plant-based vaccines save the world? Scientists say rice. Corn, potatoes, or lettuce can be used to produce antibodies. It's a kind of complex process which uh, starts by uh, the procedure that infects them with uh, foreign uh, DNA, uh, genetic material that reprograms them to stop doing everything else and just make one protein, recombinant protein, which is a medicine that we want to produce. 
Biotech firms are already in clinical trials with their plant-based drugs or awaiting approval from health agencies. So, the point is this. There will come a point in time that if God does not move, as we know he will, first by taking the church out of the world so that the Antichrist can be revealed and Daniel's 70th week can begin, if time progresses too, too far down the road, there will be no flesh left that is not tainted or corrupted or marred by this technology that we are hearing about that was galvanized in the proclamation or in the, the executive order by the Biden administration. In other words, there is a shelf life. There will be a point in time where if the enemy has his way and he is incorporating the technology now and implementing it through greedy, wiki, uh, uh, greedy and, and wicked and uh, just proud, power-crazed human beings, the elite, the oligarchs, and he is implementing his strategy. Even now, the technology is all about us, and, and there's much that can be said about that, but for reasons unrelated to this message, it's for another day. So Revelation chapter 13 tells us that there will be the necessary exercise of free will, but that one day and the not too distant future, all of flesh of mankind, if God doesn't intervene, will become corrupted. And he will intervene just like he did in the days of Noah when the flood came, where the Bible tells us Noah and his generation, his family, they were perfect. They weren't perfect in terms of moralities, in terms of righteousness. They had their issues, but they were perfect in terms of their genetic structure. They maintained the likeness and image of God, and everything else was wiped away. We also have recent breakthroughs uh, like the gene editing technologies, including CRISPR. The gene editing tool, CRISPR, short for clustered, regularly interspaced short palindrome repeats, could help us to reprogram life. It gives scientists more power and precision than they ever had to alter human DNA. This new power includes the possibility of making people smarter. Even before CRISPR was used on human embryos, the technology was used to modify simple animals. There, the goal was to demonstrate that the technology worked. These experiments made us aware that with CRISPR, we could do a lot more than we previously thought we could. Scientists use CRISPR to change, delete, or add DNA to any organism. From a human embryo to a pig to a wheat crop, CRISPR does this by subduing a specific part of the genome and then injecting a new piece of DNA into the genome instead. So CRISPR is an acronym for basically a system that is from bacteria that they use to kill and destroy the DNA of invading organisms like a virus. But we can now use that system to cut and change our own genomes. It's basically a, a DNA cutting enzyme that doesn't cut randomly. You can give it a barcode in the form of what's called the RNA molecule that tells where that enzyme will cut in the genome. Again. This technology is being employed right now to, quote, unquote, thin out the herd. You know, when I hear of so-called 
Bible prophecy experts, and I'm not judging their hearts. God sees the heart. Any any statement that I make by God's grace is not with the intent to judge anyone's heart. As the Apostle Paul said, I have a difficult time judging my own heart. How can I judge another man's heart or another man's servant? But I must say that when I hear certain so-called acclaimed Bible prophecy experts make reference to their children and their children's children and future generations, I have this major block because I don't see time continuing on as we know it without the Lord first intervening. And yes, there are going to be future generations and they will come through the prophetic into the millennium period of time. But I am persuaded, fully persuaded, that this is the last generation, the generation that Jesus said, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. And for those who seem to suggest that there can be certain preparations made in order to weather through the seven-year period of tribulation, once again, major red flags go up inside my heart and mind because what I believe is they don't have a clue as to the serious cataclysmic nature of the Great Tribulation. The Bible tells us much about that and that in those days, if they were not shortened, there would no flesh be saved. Biden brought in his executive order statements of future potential with regard to this technology, talking about the eradication of cancer and the elimination of various different diseases that have plagued humanity. And I want to say something in terms of that technology, which to a degree has already been, been utilized in, in scientists' pursuits to reverse the aging process and a concerted effort to reverse man's aging process has been underway now for, for a couple of decades at least. And it is a subject matter that has a, a, a code and falls under the heading, the Benjamin Button. If you were to do a search on the internet, the Benjamin Button, you would come across various different studies that have to do deal with the reversing of the aging process so that man can conceivably come to a place where he will live forever. The reality is, I believe, that those who are pulling the, the strings of control in the world, the club, if you will, the oligarchs, the elite, those that you hardly ever hear much about, but are the ones who really make the major decisions, they are the ones who they imagine will utilize this technology and you heard a statement that was made not just two, two, one or two weeks ago regarding Jared Kushner, who believes that this generation is either the last generation that shall see death or the first generation that shall see eternal life through the, techno the technology. And so if these things be true 
and they are being documented right now. And this technology is so far advanced. And keep in mind, they only tell us a small fraction of what's really in existence. Most of the information that is passed on to the world today is 15, 20, some say as much as 30, even 40 years old. The technology that is available to the secret groups is way beyond our imagination. Thus, we see how that the sound doctrine of the rapture is so much in play today that the window, I would call it the window of divine opportunity for God to move to inject himself into human society and history to prevent what will inevitably be man corrupting himself, God is compelled by virtue of time. Time, in terms of transhumanism, has a stamp of, of a window of opportunity. It's not the only prophecy that speaks to us about the closing window of God's opportunity to do what he said he would do beginning with the rapture. We see, for example, World War III. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4, we read, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. We see the beginning pinings of World War III. In fact, there are those who believe we're already in World War III. It just has not been officially announced. And that war is being fought between the United States and Russia in the land of Ukraine. And just this past week, further information has come out speaking of Americans on the front lines. And we'll say nothing more of that. You can do your own research. But we are in a war against another power that possesses more nuclear capabilities than our own nation. What Vladimir Putin did is set in motion the events that will make every piece of territory where a Russian soldier currently stands Mother Russia in the eyes of Russia, which means any action undertaken by Ukraine or NATO against this territory, targeting this territory, becomes an act of war against Russia. What Putin has done is put it right in the face of NATO and say, do you want war? Here's your chance. I'm here. Russia's here. We're here. Bring it on. Because if you do, it's all over for you. Putin, it wasn't bluff when he said, we have the means to defend ourselves. We have better weapons than you. Everybody knows what he's talking about. Nuclear weapons. We are literally, you know, they have that doomsday clock. Yeah. You got to move it to one second before midnight. We're this close to the world ending. That close. Right like that. And soon China will enter into the fray. And we're not talking about bullets and guns. We are talking about nuclear technology, tactical nukes, the smaller devices, 
up to the full-blown nukes which are able to annihilate countries in but a few moments. And what does the Bible say with regard to evidence that suggests nuclear war ensues during the Great Tribulation, which we are seeing coming towards us right now? In Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, we see how that all the grass of the world is burned and vegetation. Verse 7, the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. This is worldwide devastation and one cannot think of any technology that would have such a broad scope impact upon the world other than nuclear technology. Revelation chapter 16 verses 8 through 9. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. This is, is an amazing focus upon the hardness of man's heart during the great tribulation. The point of the matter is men were scorched with great heat because of something that took place in the sun. And once again, we can only surmise that that which has protected us for all of our lives, the ozone layer, layer has been breached. And the, the detrimental radiant beams of the sun is scorching man. And again, men blaspheming the name of God, and yet they would not repent. No wonder Jesus said, if those days are not shortened, there will be no flesh that survives. And if there were not some time stamp uh, issue or element on the war element, what about the one world government? We see today that the world is coming in full circle from the time of the Tower of Babel where there was a united effort by mankind following the flood to join together to the point that the potential was so alarming to the Lord that he said, let us go down and confound their language so that they're no longer able to communicate with one another. Otherwise, they will become like God. And so we see a one world government that is being established before our very own eyes. And might I add that the Babylonian system, the world system, the one world system that found its initial uh, existence at the Tower of Babel, at least symbolically speaking, that it is not only or was not and is not futuristically, I should say, political alone but in reality there is a spiritual or a religious element and for the sake of time i'll not read chapter, uh, revelation chapter 17 verses 1 through 6 
But there we read about the woman which sits upon a scarlet-colored beast full of blasphemes, having seven heads and ten horns. There we see the religious Babylon or the religious world system, the beast system, which many of us believe is right now in Rome itself. A very interesting development took place just this week with regard to the spiritual or the religious element, I believe, of the future religious Babylon. And it was regarding an edict or a proclamation made by Pope Francis regarding transfer of funds just this week. Some of you have heard about it, maybe most. That Francis called for all funds anywhere and everywhere if associated with the Vatican to be transferred to Rome into their privately held bank. The question is, what do they know that we do not know? I want to read from a certain individual's comments whose name I will not mention, but whose writings are, I believe, right on. He quote, I quote him. Quote, the bells are ringing, not to call people to worship God, no, to call in the church's wealth before a coming calamity. Pope Francis put the word out ordering every entity affiliated with the Vatican to transfer all of their financial assets into the Vatican Bank by the end of this month. That means every religious order. Every Catholic foundation, every arm of the Catholic Church, anywhere around the world, and has a hard date, just a few short days away, by the end of this month, to get its money under the direct control of the Vatican. That means pulling billions of dollars out of Swiss financial institutions and top banks in London and Rome and Paris and the United States to what is called the Vatican Bank, unquote. And again, we, he states, quote, why is the Vatican recalling all of its money? The Vatican is basically a deep state institution. They get word of things before they happen. They have an apparent advance word that major economic collapse is coming. The author goes on to say, Russia and Ukraine are still at war. Actually, we are at war with Russia in Ukraine. China is still doing COVID lockdowns and is threatening Taiwan. Something has to give. Last Friday, FedEx stock dropped 20% overnight after the company's CEO revealed a major slowdown in international shipments and predicted a global economic recession. Like that is news. He goes on to say, it does appear that Pope Francis is preparing for an October surprise. The Vatican, for sure, is on the inside. They're getting the heads up about what's happening economically. They're considered their own little empire in this sense. They have wings in every country in the world, and that's what makes this decision by the Vatican, by Pope Francis, so important. It's every institution in the world, every church, Every parish, they are about to be essentially separated in part because the money is going to be 
purely controlled by Rome. This is on top of what we know. A famine is coming that was manufactured, artificial, in that it was not just due to crop failure. It is due to government corruption, evil people. Add to this the prospect for war in Taiwan that you see over the weekend. Joe Biden said that we should deploy our U.S. troops. Now we're going to go to war in China. That war, according to analysts, listen to this, is slated to happen in October. So I don't think for a second this move was a coincidence or it's an accident. I think the Vatican is preparing to weather the storm to come. Many questions regarding this unprecedented act on the part of the Vatican and Pope Francis, who is considered to be an insider and part of the deep state based upon many of his contradictions and edicts that conflict with the very fundamentals of church doctrine. There's another consideration that has to do with time and the window of opportunity related to the Vatican. 900 years ago, a Catholic saint named Malachi was struck with a prophetic series of visions that predicted the identity of each future pope. Some of you have heard about the prophecy of St. Malachi. This ancient prophecy, buried within the Vatican for centuries, suggests that Pope Francis, the latest in the holy line, which stretches back nearly 2,000 years, may be destined to be the last pope. Listen to this. If Malachi's prophecy of the last pope is here, according to his vision of 112 popes, he envisioned the sequence of 112 different popes, which led to today's pope, and he described the characteristics of all of them, and they are uncannily effective and right on. He goes on to say again, according to his vision of 112 popes, Peter the Roman, Petrus Romanos, if Malachi is accurate, then Armageddon and the tribulation that he pastors during, it cannot be more than a single pope's reign away. How young is Pope Francis? And according to many in the Vatican itself, they believe in the prophecy of St. Malachi, who was ordained as a saint, canonized as a saint, and that it points to the current pope, he will be the pope that reigns during the most turbulent time of church history, which is known as the tribulation. Now, if that doesn't have a time stamp on it, nothing does. The question is, will we even make it to the year 2023? September 25th through the 27th, one of the highest rapture alert time ever. I myself, for those of you who have been following our ministry, I am of that generation where the late great planet Earth was written by Hal Lindsey, one of the most prolific 
and I believe right on teachers of Bible prophecy. Certainly in my generation, perhaps in all generations. And that book, The Late Great Planet Earth, was given to me in 1976 by a young man who had just come out of the Vietnam War as a young lieutenant who left for medical reasons, who had post-traumatic syndrome, could hardly hold his hand steady. And he knew that I was inquiring about things pertaining to God. We had had a conversation in that regard. And he gave me that book, The Late Great Planet Earth. And ever since that time, I have recognized that Bible prophecy is not only intriguing, but properly interpreted and compared scripture upon scripture. It provides scientific proof through mathematical probability, scientific means that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That young gentleman gave me a book and uh, his name, Neil Gallivan, I've lost track of that dear young man who's probably a couple years older than me now. Hence, I was, along with my wife, among those who in 1981, for example, Jimmy Swaggart was also sharing on this very subject and some others, including Jack Van Impey, that the rapture was possibly going to take place in 1981, which would be seven years before 1988. 88 from 48, Israel becoming a nation was 40 years, a full generation. And so we looked with great expectation in 1981 for the coming of the Lord. And once again, in 1988, there were those who felt that the Lord was going to come in 1988. There was even a book written, 88 Reasons for the Return of the Lord. And we were waiting then. And we have waited, my wife and I and those around us, have waited with great expectation for the coming of the Lord. But never before in all of my life has there ever been a period of time where a sense of blessed assurance, a deep abiding conviction that there is no other thing that I can believe but that these are the last days. And for that reason, Bible prophecy in terms of the rapture has become an exciting doctrine, a sound doctrine, which I believe because of the various different prophecies that have been fulfilled, beginning with Israel becoming a nation in 1948 and many other prophecies. And might I break for a moment here, just a few minutes ago, before I began this here presentation, there was breaking news. We want to update you on this right now. Take a listen to this. Israel economic and military strength allows us to protect ourselves, but it also allows us something else. To strive for peace with the entire Arab world and with our closest neighbors, the Palestinians. An agreement with the Palestinians based on the two states for two people is the right thing for Israel's security, for Israel's economy, 
and for the future of our children. Peace is not a compromise. It is the most courageous decision we can make. Peace is not weakness. It embodies within it the entire might of human spirit. War is a surrender to all that is bad within us. Peace is the victory of all that is good. Despite all the obstacles, still today, a large majority of Israelis support the vision of the two-state solution. I am one of them. We have only one condition. That the future Palestinian state will be a peaceful one. Dividing of Israel and the consideration of a peace treaty which will be confirmed by the Antichrist. Are we not living in the last of the last days? All of these signs, and there are so many others, signs that have taken place some time ago, which we have simply forgotten. They have passed our memory because so much is happening now. But what about the Revelation 12 sign, which was a very rare astronomical event in September 23rd, 2017, that never took place before, nor will it take place again. The alignment of the, the stars, the sun and the moon, which give a clear reflection. The Lord said there would be signs in the heavens and the sun, the moon, the stars. And sure enough, Revelation 12 was, I believe, a fulfillment of that prophecy of Revelation 12. And then there was the four blood moons that, according to John Hagee, referred to it as a consummate prophecy. Once again, these prophecies, unfortunately, were mistakenly looked upon as the dates for certain events to take place. But a sign is only that. It's a sign pointing to something in the future. So we have the Revelation 12 already fulfilled. We have the four blood moons already fulfilled. And frankly, in each passing day, there's another strong argument that we are at the end of the end. These are the last days, and they are all pointing to something. And you know what that something is? It's this. This is what these signs are pointing to. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is Jesus talking. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's what these signs that we are looking at all about us are pointing to, the fulfillment of John chapter 14. What are these signs pointing to? These signs are pointing to this. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain 
shall be harpazo, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Could we be seeing the reflections of the Feast of Trumpets? What we are seeing is an event that will take place in the very, very near future that is a sound doctrine. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It will be fulfilled. What are these signs pointing to at? These signs are pointing to this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Friends, it stands to reason that these are the days that we are called upon to look up. When you see these things begin to come to pass, then the time has come to look up. In a moment, I am going to be sharing what I believe to be a personal word from the Lord, the captain of our faith, the captain of the Lord's host. And I believe that as a faithful captain, he communicates his encouraging words to his soldiers who are embattled against the very powers of darkness. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You know the rest of the passages right there. So it stands to biblical sound reason that he as the captain of the Lord's host would communicate a word to those of you who are on the battlefield, the troops, if you will. And I believe he has given to me a word of instruction and encouragement to share with you at the end of what I'm going to be closing with. But first, I want to say something. Last week, we were blessed on our Facebook Sheep Song Ministries. We have had now well over 30,000 views, which for us is substantial. And we ask that you would share the message and use it as a tool, as an evangelistic tool. Some, many of you have done that. You have shared this message. And I am happy to report, and I want to, to focus on one specific individual, as blessed as we are to see that kind of traction. And again, we have talked about the, the way we are held back on YouTube. The ratio is like maybe 2,000 to over 30,000 and other, it just, we are being censored big time. But when you, God's people, take the time to share a message, don't worry about what others might think of you. This may be their life raft. This may be the thing that gets them to make a decision in their hearts unto the Lord. I was blessed when a certain message was sent to me by way of, of text, of email, and it was four words. And those four words brought tears. I wept when I heard these four words. This individual said this. I prayed the prayer. I prayed the prayer. 
That is one of the fundamental reasons why we are about this ministry, why we share the gospel and Bible prophecy update, which the two go hand in hand. That we might reach the lost for Jesus Christ, as well as to encourage the saints to keep fighting the good fight of faith. This man said it all. I prayed the prayer. There are some of you that are listening to me today. And if you do not pray the prayer from your heart and mean it, you are lost. You will be lost for all of eternity. And you will experience, not because of God's will. The will of God is not that any perish, but that all come to repentance. But what will take place, undoubtedly, is you will incur that which was determined and prepared for the devil and his angels. And again, it's called hell. And it's a real, real place. And there's no getting out of that place. But you have a chance today to do the same thing as that man did. He prayed the prayer. And if you are ready and you are tired of running away from the Lord, and you don't understand all of this stuff, but you're ready to give the Lord a chance to prove to you that he is the living God, then I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Would you say this? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this day knowing that I am a sinner and confessing to you that I have sinned against you. I have done many shameful things through my life, things that would give you reason to cast me into hell, But I believe you sent Jesus to take my place, to die upon that cross for my punishment, to atone for my sins, and that through his blood you are able to wash away all my sins to cast them into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west so you are able to cast my sins away and so today Lord I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord I believe in him I believe in what he has done for me. And I open my heart this day. And I invite you to come into my life by your Holy Spirit and to make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed the prayer and meant it, I'll be seeing you in the clouds, I believe, soon. You'll be like that person on the tree where he said, Remember me, Lord, when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Little did he know the Lord meant every word of it. He was in paradise that very same day. Soon and very soon. 
we are going to see the King. See, Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. That's the reason why you listen to today's program. And now the word of the Lord. I realize time is a little progressed for me, but I do not want to take away from this word. So please, for the next few moments, bear with me and see if this is not a word from God for you as an individual. It is a word that comes out of Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. And I consider it a word from the captain of the Lord's host to his people on the battleground, the field of life. And this is what he says, and we'll, we'll extract it from these next few verses. Verse 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he, the Lord Jesus, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful or anxious and troubled or disturbed about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What is the word of the Lord for his people today? Yes, indeed, we have many troubles about us. The Bible tells us that when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up. May I submit to you that Mary, who was at the feet of Jesus and heard his word, was looking up. To look up is not to simply gaze at the stars and to just wonder, though we do at times. This is a posture of the heart, looking up to Jesus. This is a word of encouragement that tells us, cast all cares away, knowing that he cares for us. This is a word that tells us to lay all our burdens down. For there is one thing and one thing alone that is needful, and that we can choose that. And if we choose that one thing, the Lord promises, no one will take that away. We may be subject to many external things and circumstances, but one thing we are not subject to is that our hearts, if we choose to look unto Jesus, to wait before him, before his feet, to worship him for the person that he is, no one, not the devil himself, not life nor death, nor anything, Paul said, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so, yes, that is the word of the Lord. Look up or be like Mary, not troubled about many things, but choosing one thing, and that will not be taken away from you. May God bless you this week. I may be seeing you in the clouds, but now... We are going to close, my daughter and I, 
by singing a special song that I believe very much characterizes this very word with regard to Mary. Mary being at the feet of Jesus and that's what this song is about. It speaks of that special holy consecrated place where the world is shut out and there is the shield of God while we engage in our love relationship with the Lord our God, our Maker. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. If you are a new subscriber, I would like to invite you to use the playlists that have been made available here on the Master's Voice. Those playlists are thematic, so they cover streamlined areas of prophecy that the Lord has been giving over a very lengthy period. And what has happened is that those prophetic words, as they've been made, I've compiled them into playlists so that people who are new to the channel, people who may not yet be reading the blog, which I always strongly recommend, by the way, so that people can be able to quickly catch up to where we are. I have been writing the prophecies of the Lord God down in print since May 2019 so that this month actually makes the blog, the Master's Voice Prophecy Blog, four years old. And the YouTube channel is um, about two and a half years old now, or slightly more than that. The prophecies have been written down since 2019, but I've actually been receiving these prophetic words from the Lord since 2012, late 2012. And so I have been compiling these things, and like I said, I thought that I was compiling them for my personal knowledge, for my personal record. But after a very long season of writing them down, the Lord spoke to me and told me to make these things public. And so I was at first sharing them just privately among a few people that I knew in 2015. And then I put a few of them up on my Facebook page in 2018. But formally, this work began in 2019. And I have been putting prophecies from 2014, 2015, sharing dreams, sharing visions, sharing prophetic teaching. This is from the Bible, the chunks that actually relate, especially to the United States. But what is God's motive behind these things? Is God bringing these things out just so that people can become paralyzed with fear? Is God bringing these things out to tell people that your entire life is coming to a halt? God is bringing these things out because it is very apparent to the Father and to anyone who is observant in the Church of Jesus Christ that the greater Christian body at large is unaware of the times that we are in. People truly believe that we are in a season of business as usual. People truly believe that we as the church have expectations of greater glory and greater mandates and greater expansion, and yet nothing could be further from the truth. God is trying to get the attention of the Christian first and foremost. This is the Christian who might still be asleep, this is the Christian who might be poorly taught, the Christian who is unaware of many different types of things that directly relate to the body that we have not been taught in church. This is the Christian who is unfortunately too confident that Jesus will not try his church before he receives those who are found fit into eternal oneness with himself. 
There are many different types of confusion and delusion in the Christian church. And while it is not my work to dispel those things, this I know, that those who listen closely to the prophetic words that the Lord gives here on the master's voice will find themselves over time healed of deception. They will find themselves over time forced to abandon the myths and the false beliefs that they are, not might be, but are carrying in their hearts as a result of deception, lies, improper teaching, and also the lust of their hearts and their itching ears to believe a reality that is not actually coming. The church will be triumphant and glorious in God's own time. But there are many things that we must, must suffer for his sake. And it is God's will that we be prepared, we the righteous body. It is also God's will that the United States of America in particular be exposed for what she is. There are too many people who are deceived around the world who see America as a shining bastion of truth, purveyors of truth, the keepers of freedom, the keepers of peace, and God is having none of that in these last days. Before America will receive the fullness of her judgments, the work that I have been assigned is to expose in front of the entire world what this country really is, what she has really done, and the true estimation of the Holy Spirit of what America really is. And so for the last few years, that is what I have been doing here in video form and on the blog in written form. And today the prophecy is from April 21st, 2023. And the title is very simple to understand because it has come in many different formats. Today's title is No Mercy for America. No Mercy for America. And the prophecy that is closest in title to this one is entitled No More Grace. That prophecy is from, I think it is from early 2021 or very late 2020. No More Grace. Another prophecy that shares the same kind of title is I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten. And I think that prophecy is from 2021. So today's message is God showing how there is a long history of spilling blood in the United States. I have been currently dealing with the Lord's judgment for the sin of slavery in the United States. And that is also contained in this message, but also themes of violence and war. And the Lord has brought back as a teaching point a prophecy and a message that I covered several years ago that is called the mother of seven and that prophecy turned around the passage Jeremiah 15 which I will cover on camera here for at least the second or the third time and so God is looking at the blood that has been spilt in America and how there seems to be this mindset that when blood is spilt, all you need to do to heal the spilling of blood is for time to pass. So all we need to do is the generation that shed the blood can pass on. So they have gone to their graves. And then what happens is people believe that as time rolls on, by the natural movement of time, the spilling of blood is healed. And yet, as God has been talking about, for instance, the many millions of babies that have been aborted in the United States, as well as to her account, please understand, to the United States um, spiritual account, every baby that has been aborted in a U.S. box or a U.S. established or a U.S. funded or a U.S. supported abortion clinic overseas will also be added to America's account. So whether that abortion clinic was set up 
such as Mari Stopes, I think it is, in South Africa, or whether it was set up in South America, wherever U.S. funds have flowed to support the practice of cutting children out of the womb, a practice that is so pervasive here in America that women go out into the streets to demonstrate for their rights to essentially kill and murder new life that God is trying to bring into the world. Those crimes fall upon America's head, and the Lord calls her a nation of bloody skirts. So when blood is spilt, man thinks that the spillers of blood will sleep, and then when they rise to judgment, their problems and their crimes will be squarely upon their heads. But the Lord says that that is not going to be the operative form of justice here in the United States. The blood has soaked into the land, so the land remembers the crimes, the land remembers the crimes of murders. The land remembers the crimes of people who have been sexually, ritually abused and then killed and eaten or sacrificed and murdered. If you are a foreign person and you're listening to this in somewhat unbelief, there is an entire cache of prophecies for you to watch under the label, the sin series, where God has laid out all of America's crimes, such as human sacrifice, such as consuming human flesh, such as cannibalism that takes place here, such as the rape and assault of minors and um, femicide, which is the very high rates of female murders that occur here, not that men also don't get murdered. And so all that blood has piled up, and God spoke in one old prophecy about how America was depicted to me. It was a live prophecy prayer call. I was on the line praying with others. And I was seeing America depicted as a very old lady carrying a bag of bones on her back. And those bones were very, 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 very old. And this woman still thought that she was very beautiful and vivacious, but she was actually so aged in her sin and so aged in her rebellion that she was very hideous. She was what we call a crone. She was a hag. She was a very ugly woman, aged and twisted because of her actions. And on her back, she had a bag of bones. Whether she knew she had it or not, she still had it. And in those, in that bag, God was describing the sin of murder, the, the terrible, terrible high rates of murder that is committed here in the United States. The Lord has said in past prophecies, I think this was in 2022, it was called the end of the way of the wicked, that America is so used to murder that when murder stories come out on the news, people just look and say, oh man, oh man, that's such bad luck. Oh man, that's so terrible. And he says that they have this brief moment of outrage and then they go right back to doing, they begin to flip channels and they look on Netflix. And this is because murder is glamorized in the movies, it's glamorized in the video games, it's glamorized in the reading material, it's glamorized in so many ways. It's made chic, it's made cool until people have become basically the bedmates of murder. They're just used to it, and they do not have the natural responses to the types of hideous crimes that occur here in the nation. And so blood does not go away because people think that blood goes away. There will be a requiring for blood, and you can read Psalm 9 and just see that it says that when there comes a reckoning for blood, he does not forget. God does not forget. So even if people want to resist, and even if people want to say it's the ancient past, you must understand that God does not occupy the same plane, the same existence as a human being. 
all of our lives, in fact, all of human history from the very beginning to the end is like a finger snap in front of God. It is like a spark. It is the work of a moment. So to think that perhaps what has been done over hundreds of years has taken place so long ago in the human mind that it can be forgotten when to God it is but a few seconds past is a very erroneous step to take. And so here we go, no mercy for America. And I dreamt a very hard dream in the very early morning. It was about 4 or 5 a.m. when I had this dream. And this dream hurt my heart so much that I ended up leaving bed and I laid down on the floor before the Lord to pray and to intercede and to cry out. Because what I was seeing, it made it impossible for me to just say, oh, a dream, another dream, and then to continue sleeping. I got down off the bed and I laid on the floor in front of the Lord and I began to speak with him and try to intercede and plead with him. And basically the answer he gave me was the same answer he gave me in 2020 when I was interceding and saying, Lord, please have mercy on us because certain governments and certain leaders are more new world, more beast system than others. Please give us more time. And the Lord rebuked me and he said, do not be like them. Do not be like them who constantly ask me for more mercy and they constantly ask me for more time and all they do with the mercy and all they do with the time is sin, sin, sin some more and they become steeped in iniquity. They dirty their robes. They become even more filthy than the last time I showed them national mercy. Do not be like them celestial and do not come before me on behalf of this country anymore to ask for mercy on their behalf. And so, of course, I took it to heart because I, I respect God. I'm not trying to go into the presence of the Lord and disrespect him like so many people do when they hear these prophetic words gathering into their groups to mock what they do not understand and to critique what they cannot do. And all I know from the things that God has told me is that every word is recorded by the watchers who watch this earth and there will be an accounting for every word spoken on the final day. So that is not my concern. So... When I laid down before God, when I came out of this dream to intercede, he told me that he will not have mercy and he will not forgive or forget or erase a single thing that has been covered on the blog already. I'm speaking very candidly here because God has been telling me very strongly not to leave out a single thing that he is saying to me. He says, bring out everything that they can have complete understanding. And so he says that he will not forgive. And here is the dream that I had. Please excuse the noise. I dreamt that I was sitting at my laptop and I was engaged in online shopping, but I was in a very different type of store. I saw that I was in this store and I was trying to buy mercy and forgiveness for America. So I was trying to purchase mercy and forgiveness for the United States. But they were sold out throughout the entire online store. And everywhere I try to seek them in the various, you know, when you're online and you're looking for products and things like that, you try to search for the product maybe by, by letter. So you would try to put in the letter M and then see all the products that would come available on the page and look and see, do they have mercy or do they have forgiveness in this store? But they were marked everywhere currently unavailable. And I looked throughout this whole store. And this store was very strange because it was selling everything conceivable under the sun, including things that you would think cannot be store, um, cannot be sold. And so I really believe that this was the store of the Lord 
the father's store where all things can be found because things that were in that store, I saw items such as good soil. I saw items such as fresh water. I saw items such as good air. And these things were available in that store in limited quality. And so I was able to take a limited quality of a limited quantity, a limited amount of those items and put them in my shopping cart. So as we learned in 2020, when things are being rationed, when things are freely available, if, if, if you want 10 of that item, you can click click item and then you can update the cart and say choose 10 and you can take 10 you can take 20 you can take as many as you want as much as the store has available but these things such as good soil fresh water good air they were being limited how many of them I can take and that's what happened in COVID we could only get a limited amount of goods because of hoarding and things like that but whenever I clicked on good on forgiveness and mercy and I tried to put them in my cart they were unavailable, meaning that the button, there's a button that you click when you want an item. And when the item is available, it's green or it's blue and you click and you get it. But this item, this button under mercy and forgiveness was grayed out. It was no longer clickable. And so I could not get it. And so I was getting frustrated. I was getting agitated because I was searching and I was trying to see, oh, there's another mercy. Let me click it. And it wasn't available. I was agitated and I was frustrated because I really needed these things. I felt pressure in my heart to get these things. And so it reached the point where I was so frustrated that I just kept clicking the button. So I just kept click, 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 click. You know, when you're trying and you're thinking maybe the page is frozen or something, I just kept clicking and clicking and clicking. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, Celestial, look, and he drew my attention to my name. So when you're online shopping and you go to a store very often, they offer you to get a profile with them. So you put in your first name and your last name, your phone number, your address, and then whenever you shop, oh, your payment method, so your card, whenever you shop, they already know it's you when you log in. Then it will say at the top Martha or it will say at the top Ben, and then you know, okay, this is my profile. So the Lord said, look, and when I looked at my profile, it said America. It said America. It didn't say me. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I went into the store and I changed the profile from America to Celestial. And the minute I put in my own name, every item in the store came back online for sale. So the entire dashboard of the store changed because I changed my name up there from America to Celestial. When I put my name in and I logged in as myself. I saw that every item in that store was available for sale in unlimited qualities, including, these are the items I saw, health, long life, peace, hope, joy, and many other things that had been marked unavailable or not in stock when I was logged in as America. And I was sad. I said, Lord, now I see these things are not available for America, but still I went back and I changed my name from Celestial back to America just to check, just to be sure. But this time when I changed back into the America profile, I saw that blood was settling like a small pool. You know, when you sit meat out to 
thaw it, when it's starting to thaw out, then it makes a pool of blood. So this time when I went back into the America profile, this time I started to see blood settling around certain items. So the item marked good soil had blood starting to pour from it. The item that is marked green, green grass also started to seep blood. The item that was marked rivers, lakes, and oceans also had blood coming from it. And now I'm seeing blood starting to pool and drip from these items in my computer, and I became scared because it looked, you know, just like a horror movie. So I moved back from the laptop, and I stood up. I moved back from the table completely, and I stood up. And I said, what is going on here? What is going on here? But the voice of the Lord said, look. And then I looked into the laptop. So please try to follow along with me. Items are seeping blood and it takes me by surprise. And I push back and I stand up and I say, what is happening? And the Lord's voice says to me, look. And the online store is still on my computer. But now it's like I'm seeing into my computer past the store. And this is what I saw. I saw many young people, so eight, ranging in age from quite young, maybe eight years old or 10 years old, all the way up to young adults in their mid-20s. I saw them sitting on couches and I saw them sitting and slouching on loungers and some of them in bed. And they all had headsets on and they had this eerie blue, it's the computer light, it's the reflection from a computer or the reflection from the TV. So you get that blue cast or that white cast on their faces. And most of them were sitting in front of really large TV screens and they were playing these murderous video games. So the only one that can come to my mind right now is Grand Theft Auto. But here in America, there are thousands of very violent games where people go in and your job is to get a mission done. But to get that mission done, you have to slaughter a lot of players. You have to slaughter other pay players. And some of these games, I think it's Sony. Now you can get together with your friends and form a team and you all can talk to each other in the headsets in real life. So you talk to each other like a phone call and you get together and you can chat as you're killing people and things like that. And so I saw them playing so many games of violence and they just kept shooting people and shooting people while they were talking to each other through the TV. And they were all connected around the world. This is not only here in America. Friends were playing from around the world and they were connected by games of violence and killing and God was showing me the careless way that young people have grown up in the tradition of murder until they're used to it because the games that they play is bloodlust where they simply destroy living objects, whether it's animals or people or dragons or whatever it is. He says that they get so used to playing with weapons and shooting characters that in real life, life starts to have no value to the players. Meanwhile, in the front, the online store was now pouring blood. It was no longer blood starting to just drip a little bit. I now saw America's seas, America's lakes, America's rivers, America's good soil, and America's green grass pouring out blood. So now a river of blood began to pour. And right in the middle of that, the Lord spoke. He said, I will never forgive them. For the debt of slavery, for the untold murders, for the unborn babies, and for those who lost their lives in their wars, I will not forgive them. African-American blood should not have been spilled. It is 
sacred. Native American blood should not have been spilled. It is sacred. It cries out from the ground and the fields and the green grass of America. A people of anguish and agony who died without a legacy. They were murdered. They were deceived. And I will not forgive. The debt must be repaid. And at that point, I woke up from the dream. And I went down on the ground from my bed before the Lord. Because I know from biblical, from studying my Bible, I know that lying down flat on the ground before God is a great sacrifice of intercession. Even in the old days when you would fall down before the king to implore the king, this is a sign of great distress and this is a sign of greatly humbling oneself oneself to ask for mercy from one who has higher authority and power. And so forget about the time that I was having this dream and forget about the softness of bed, I got down on the ground and I laid down flat before God. And I said, Lord, please. So I said that a few times, Lord, please. And I said other things. I spoke to him, but the answer came back from him very clearly. There can be no atonement for this wound. This wound is incurable. The debt must be repaid. Blood was shed. Their blood will be shed in return. And I covered this in the prophecy diaspora where God says that the African Americans and the Native Americans were struck a very fatal blow. It was the kind of blow, he says, that goes to the heart. And he says that that wound has not been cured in the hearts of these people That wound has not been cured in the hearts of these people. And he says their wound, the wound that these people are carrying, is upon him also. And he says that he will answer the United States back for this wound. And so I had read Jeremiah 14 the night before because God was showing me certain things in it. And when I read that that passage, which I recommend that others should read, I was very heavy hearted because Jeremiah 14 is the passage where... Babylon fell, I mean, where Israel fell to Babylon, who was holding them siege at that time. So they they refused to obey the Lord to repent when Jeremiah was preaching to them all those years. And they also refused to listen when Jeremiah was telling them that when your captors come, you are not to resist them. Don't resist them. Don't fight them. God is saying that if you acquiesce to their demands, They will be kind to you. And they were like, who told you that we will ever give in and anything? And then the place fell and the captivity was total. They came and they encircled the place. And when they entered Jerusalem, they killed very many people. I've spoken of that before. They killed very many people because of the anger that they had for being kept outside the city for so long. And so when I read that passage, obviously, I slept with a heavy heavy heart. And so when I was interceding before the Lord on the floor, that passage that I had re- I'd read just a few hours before was coming back to me. And the Lord started to say some things that are in that passage. And he was saying to me, do not pray for them because they follow false prophets who tell them that they will see peace when I have no peace with them. 
And nobody needs me to express that that is greatly here. I have warned people many times in other countries that if you are a foreigner and the best you can do to so-called grow your Christian faith is to follow American pastors and American theology, just know that you're preparing yourself to go straight into hellfire along with most of the people who believe the watered-down, blaspheming, apostate Kool-Aid that is taught here as faith, that is taught here as Christianity, a very permissive gospel that has caused the people of the United States by and large to cast off all restraint. They live with untold amounts of sin, and yet they live with this amazing confidence that truly closes my mouth, an astonishing close um, confidence that they are heaven ready, that they are just two steps away. Some of them believe that they are just one step away from meeting the Lord and they are perfectly fit to meet God. And yet this is a highly corrupt system of fake Christianity that has poured out filth into many chalices, many cups of the religion that people practice around the world. America's deception is complete and total. It is very hard to find pastors who preach the true word, who actually understand God and present him without caveats before the people. And to think that others around the world use American Christianity as the height. Pastors around the world hope to be like T.D. Jakes and Joyce Meyer. They pray to be like Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar. And so they, they model themselves on on the people that God has judged here already and said he will tear them down from their high positions. And yet people outside are wanting to do that. And then on top of that, we have an incredible amount of people who speak falsely in this nation, people who are nothing more than psychics and diviners, people who watch the news and then call it prophecy. They do not have any kind of track record. We also have the ones who have a track record, extensive track record of lies, that they have told the lies have failed. But instead of seeing that the test from the book of Deuteronomy is that when they speak falsely and the vision doesn't come to pass, you are to depart from these people because they have spoken falsely. God has not sent them to the people. But instead, the people help the false prophet gather the pieces together and say, you know, we're all human and we miss it because they are poorly taught. They're also extremely rebellious and they also have itching ears. And so they believe in a system of prophecy where the prophecy can fail and then they'll be like, no, that's okay, buddy. You'll get it right next time because they do not understand that prophecy is God-breathed, that prophecy is actually of the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and that when true prophecy is coming into the earth, it's not about your feelings and it's not about your earthly perceptions and it's not about how you want to take it. It is God expressing himself and you are supposed to listen and take these things back to the prayer altar in order for God to minister them to your spirit. It is the spirit that receives prophecy. But people in America love false prophecy. And as a result, because of their lust to be lied to, the liars have multiplied like mushrooms. And so the Lord was telling me as I was down on my face, getting ready to pour out another good hour for a people who are like bricks on the inside like rocks and stones and a bag of nails melted together into one big nail. He told me, do not pray for them because they love false prophets. The false prophets tell them that they will see peace, yet I have no peace with them. And Jeremiah said this in his book. He said, ah, Lord God, 
these false prophets. They tell your people, peace, peace, but I see that you are preparing a sword for them. So imagine God is getting ready to put this nation into a judgment that he says the sky will hide her face from because it will be that terrible of a thing. He says that the things that will be done here, they ought not to be done, which means that God is going to excel himself in the punishment of the United States, meaning that the kind of punishment that will happen here, it basically has never been captured in any book, including the Bible, which has captured some epic punishments of peoples over the years, over the centuries. That is what God has on his agenda for this nation. But then the false prophets of this nation have the people's eyes on elections and their favorite candidate and all kinds of poison things that they eat because this is the lust inside them because they hate the truth and they hate those who bring them the truth because they want the truth to taste good in their mouth so that their feelings can feel like, yeah, this sounds like the God that we know. They follow after a false god, an edifice, an effigy, a Guy Fawkes image that they have built up in their hearts. And then they call that god and that idol standing in their hearts speaks to them and tells them that true prophecy is a lie, that it is evil, it is doom and gloom. But what the false prophets give them in their little congregations of deception, that is truth. Isaiah 5.20 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So just imagine the truth of God comes to you and you curse it and call it evil and doom. But when the lie of Satan comes to you, you applaud it and you say, heap it up and give us more. And God was basically trying to tell me, and he told me to be honest, don't waste your time anymore. Do not stand for them who abandon goodness right living and justice to all men for the false prophets prophesy to them lies from their own spirit and these people love it so i will come to them like a lion suddenly from a thicket and this is a euphemism from the bible god uses it to describe himself when he says that he will come upon you suddenly like a lion it basically means that you are walking about on the path of life minding your own business and the Lord will suddenly fall upon you like a savage beast. And I've described in other prophecies what happens when you are going about your normal day and judgment falls upon you all of a sudden. I've shared here that God says that judgment of individuals, judgment of countries, judgment of leaders, judgment of idols, superstars will fall so rapidly that the people gathered around watching will not be able to get their phones out to record what happens to you that the people who love you in your family will not be able to intervene in any manner to help or save you. They will be helpless in the face of what the Lord says he will do to people, countries, nations, false prophets, false teachers, false leaders. He will meet them like an angry lion bursting suddenly out of the bushes. Tell them everything that I have told you, the full truth. Even the faithful will die even the faithful. Some of them will go to the captivity for no other reason than it is my will. They do not know me. They do not understand my ways. My will is sovereign 
if it is my will that somebody dies, then that person will die. And afterwards, they will receive the reward that is fitting for them after that. And so I have been saying here, not hiding it from anyone, because the prophecies are here and they bear me out. They're in writing and they bear me out. I have been here saying for many years that the Lord says that even the righteous will lose their life. And people have been saying, but what kind of God is this who judges the righteous with the unrighteous? But the prophecy was given, I think it was in... 2020 it is called desolations are determined part one and god says that we have reached the time where the earth will be harvested of its people i have been saying it here in no uncertain terms so you'd have to be very very new to say that you never heard it before god says that the time of harvesting the souls of men have come and king david said in one of his psalms that it is certainly a wonder how the righteous are taken away, but no man thinks on it. No man considers it. What David was basically saying that it is a mystery that even in life, the men who do well, men like Job, men like Samuel, they are taken out of the earth, but no man actually sits and asks themselves, what does it mean when that tough, prayerful, holy and anointed grandmother or grandfather or mother or father or the only brother in the house who actually loved God so much is taken suddenly out of the earth. What does it mean when the righteous are taken suddenly away? And then also I have shared here that God says that those who are unrighteous, those who do evil, those who do wickedness will lose their life as a consequence of the evil and the wickedness that they do. They will not be allowed to continue in thinking that they can just kick the can of sin down the road. You will not be allowed to continue sleeping with men and thinking that there's no reward for that. God has said that those who want to practice sexual immorality, you will be visited with diseases in your body that will take you away from the earth like that. These prophecies were given all the way in 2020, and they have come consistently that we have reached an era where you cannot continue sinning and think that God is blind and think that God is powerless and think that God will let you get away with it and think that you will say things like, oh, God knows my struggle or God knows these girls out here are too fine to resist. You will simply not be allowed to continue in recidivism, which is you sin and you repent, you sin and you repent, you sin and you repent. God said that when you are in one of your repentance stages, he will simply subtract you from the earth so that you will not become a trophy in the hands of the devil. Just a moment, please. And so the full truth is exactly what I have been sharing here for many years, that the unrighteous will be judged and taken away and that the righteous will be judged and taken away. In the prophecy that is called Desolations Are Determined Part 1, I said that I saw two sickles put into the earth. The first sickle was very new and very sharp and very shiny. And it swept in the earth, and I saw the righteous taken away. I saw that some of them got sick, and they went to, they went to hospital, and they went and did whatever they did, but they did not win the battle against sickness. I saw that some of them were even taken away in car accidents. I saw that they lost their lives. I saw that it was across all age groups, old, young, children, teens, working people, the Lord took them out of the way, and he called it rest. And he said, which I will read here, um, he basically said that he does not see death the way people see death. People see death as a finality, but God said it is just a sleep. It is just a sleep. You will rest with me until the time. That is what he said. And then I saw a second sickle, 
uh, it's a harvesting blade. I saw this one was also sharp, but it was very rusty. It was very rusty and it was very old and it also harvested in the earth. And I saw that the unrighteous people who sin, people who love iniquity, people who are mockers and people who are scoffers, I saw that their lives were also required of them and they died ignoble deaths. They died in shameful ways. They died suddenly. No one could help them. And the first group who died in righteousness and holiness, they were banded about with a very bright band. I can't remember now if it was silver or gold, but a very bright band was placed around them like a sheaf of wheat. And then the other ones were like tears and a dull and rusty band, a dull and a rusty band of iron or brass or whatever it is that can be rusted and corrupted. A cheap metal was placed around them and they were the harvest that came out of the earth. And so the Lord says that being faithful doesn't mean that you cannot lose your life. And I have shared that in many prophecies. He says that some people who are faithful will still go in the captivity. And what came to me is these, I think these other stories of how when people are captured, they always say when we were captured, there were one or two people in, in our midst who truly loved God and who truly believed in God. And they always say these people were such a blessing to us when we were captured as prisoners of war because they were the ones who would always sing songs and they were the ones who would always encourage us and they were the reason that we did not lose hope until we were rescued as hostages or until we were let go or until the war was over. So there's a lot of those stories from the World War of how people were taken into captivity and even some of the people who were Christians in the midst did not survive the camp. So they lost their, their lives in those camps. But... The flame of salvation and the flame of the love for God in them transferred to the other people. So they did not live, but their love for God transferred to the other people. The other people became saved. And then when they came out of the camps, they were the ones who carried the testimonies of the one who, of the ones who passed away. God says that if it is his will that somebody should die, then that person will die and he will give them the reward that is fit for them after that. So one of the things that I faithfully teach here is that you cannot take titles and rewards unto yourself it is a dangerous thing that people do in these last days and honestly i just watch people do this i watch the things that people say and i always think to myself god these people don't really know you these people don't have the fear of god because if they knew what life is like both here naturally in the body how the spiritual realm and spiritual hierarchies operate and more importantly how things operate outside the body god I don't think that they would do what they do. God says if the enemy takes a person's life because of the life that they have lived, then that is the wages of sin. And we know that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So if you're out there and you're smoking and you're drinking and whatever, and you go out with your friends and then you have a car crash and all of you pass away, then you can't say, oh, what a tragedy. People who are alive that miss you will obviously say, oh, what a tragedy. But in heaven, it will not be mourned as that. It will be mourned as the wages of sin. So if you are one of the hot girl summer and you keep wearing tiny little things and going to places where there are more men than women and men put things in your drink, your drink, and then they sexually assault you, they harm you, they, they, they rape you in a group, the Lord says it is the wages of sin, meaning that it is the just repayment in some places, some religions, they call it karma, but it is coming back to you what you have sowed into the spiritual realm. The seeds you put out there will come back at you in this era with speed. 
So the Lord is saying, if the enemy takes your life because of your common practices to drugs or adultery, somebody catches you and kills you because of their wife, it will not be mourned by the eternal ones as a loss. It will be marked against your name as the wages of sin, which is death. And the Lord says, if I take someone's life because of their offenses against me, that is the wages of judgment. So you see that he makes a difference between when Satan takes your life, that is Satan's right because you are playing in Satan's territory. But if God, then God is saying, if you are committing the same sins, and maybe Satan is prevented from killing you, but God takes your life, it will not be counted as wages of sin. God is saying that that will be marked against your eternal report card as this and that person was judged. This and that person received judgment from God. And next he is saying, if a man loses his life because of his lifestyle, that is his reward, meaning it's literally what you get. And this is the kind of teaching that pastors don't tell people. They don't tell you this truth because they hate you. A lot of people don't know that the pastors around the world, not only here, a lot of them are serving Satan. And part of serving Satan is to keep you asleep in a stew of deception, to keep you like a boiling frog in some nice, tepid bath water until the pot begins to boil and God jumps on you like a lion out of the bushes to judge you or Satan leaps upon you like a roaring lion to tear you as the wages of sin. So God says if your lifestyle is why you end up dead, that is your reward. That is what you get. And if you are in a place that is not preaching that to you, then that person is not making you end times ready with the truth. He says, if a man should lose his life for my glory, then that is his graduation path to eternity. And so here is the final group of people. All these groups of people we will see before the Lord comes. This final group is the martyrs. The martyrs, people who lose their life for the glory of God. And God calls it a graduation path, meaning that you have left the school of life with honors. You have left the school of life with extreme blessing in the eyes of God and heaven. You have graduated with honors into eternity. And the final words that the Lord said to me when I was on that floor, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. To live is Christ. To die is gain.